0: Greenie with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
1: Oh, that update we just heard from Christine. That is a nervous, nervous day for the gentleman that put 30 grand at 30 to 1 on show Aotani to win the MVP. Find out tonight. It's Chris Carlin, Booger McFarlane for Greenie on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on your smart speaker by saying play ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. And all guests appear on the Goodyear hotline. Booger, huge, huge game. You alluded to it earlier uh, when we had Damian Woody on the show. The Cowboys and the Chiefs at Arrowhead this coming week. It is Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. This is the real opportunity for the Cowboys to show America that they are absolutely for real. And yet, it is the opportunity for the Chiefs to show America that they have snapped out of it with their win over the Raiders, the route this past week,
0: who needs this game more? Well, I'm going to disagree a little bit. I, I, of I like, course you are. Well, yeah, because I mean, <laughs> sometimes you come off here and you, you come with these um, preposterous statements. But mm. here's the thing I'll say. Uh, I, I think the Cowboys showed us last week who they were. And here's what I mean by that. They came out against the Broncos and got whooped. The following week, they had a team in the Falcons, which we knew they were better than. I was very curious to see how they would come out. They came out and dominated the Falcons and beat them by 40. That told me a lot of what I needed to know. Opening night, they came down here to Tampa, and they took on the defending champs at full speed. And it it really just depended on who had the ball last and had enough time. Like, they went toe-to-toe with Tampa when Tampa was, was fully healthy. So, I don't think the Cowboys have anything to prove. Now, can they make a statement? Absolutely. I think the Chiefs have more to prove in this game because we think they're back, but do we really know they're back? Are we banking that they're back? Or we just assume that they're back just because they beat a Raiders team that we think is good? I think the Chiefs, if they come out and the Cowboys beat them 35 17 and Zeke rushes for 150 and Mahomes throws two picks, then I think we're back to square one.
1: And you brought it up earlier. What I think is fascinating about this is that if the Cowboys are able to put up 35 or 40 points, and this is the first time in a while that I've said something like this, or or that anybody, I think, would even really think this, I don't know that the Chiefs could do the same back. While the Cowboys' defense is, I don't think it's a great, great defense, it has
0: certainly improved uh, lately. Can we agree on that? Uh, yeah, correct. It's, it's definitely not a great defense. You lose Randy Gregory, who was playing at a high level. DeMarcus Lawrence is yep. not yet back. So who's going to rush the passer So the question marks in a game like this are paramount for the Cowboys because if you don't get pressure on Mahomes, it's going to be a good night.
1: And as much as Trevon Diggs has made, what, seven picks now, he still is very prone to giving up the big play. But I do worry about that chief mentality a little bit. The fact that they have gotten punched in the jaw a few times this year, and they had a blowout win, and that's great, but do they end up in that same spot of here we go again if things are not going well and Mahomes doesn't look like the old Patrick Mahomes? I think there is a very real possibility that they could have that, not even an ounce of doubt, an ounce of doubt that could turn into a pound of doubt if you have a moment like that.
0: Yeah, there's going to be some doubt. There's going to be a little trepidation, especially if that run defense doesn't perform early on. I think the first quarter of this game is going to tell us a lot. I mean, it's going to tell us a lot. Because I think if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, I want the ball, I want it first, and I'm going to line up, first play of the game, I'm going to play action, I'm going to try to hit C.D. Lamb over the top. I'm going to back you up, and then I'm going to line up, and I'm going to pound you. I'm going to see if Chris Jones, who I think is a top five defensive tackle in football, I'm going to see if Honey Badger, I'm going to see if the other guys on that defensive line want to man up and bite their chin and and stop the run. I don't know if the Kansas City Chiefs want to do that. Like That's still in the back of my mind. I am going to make you do what you do not want to do to beat me. And so I think the first quarter of the game tells the tale. Now flip it over. Let's say the Chiefs get the ball first and Patrick Mahomes hits Tyreek Hill for a big play and it's a touchdown. Now things have changed a little bit. So I think the first quarter of this game is going to set the tone and the tenor. And I think if you're Dallas or you're Kansas City, you want to win the toss, you want to get the ball, and you want to put your offense on the field because the offense is the strength of both of those teams.
1: It's Chris Carlin, Booger McFarlane for Greedy on ESPN Radio. Okay, but back to something you, you said a few minutes ago. The Cowboys have nothing to prove at this point. I mean, does the fact that they just bounce back so nicely and beat the daylights out of what I think we can agree is, is not, a, not as bad of a team as we thought it was going to be, but not a good team, certainly, in the Atlanta Falcons.
0: Yeah, but what do you do with the teams that are not good? You beat the brakes off of them. Yeah, it's kind of right, like but, what you said earlier. Like, that, I, I understand
1: that, but now you're going to Kansas City and if the Cowboys go out there and lay an egg and they, the rest of their schedule does not exactly look like you know the 2070 Yankees, then I, I, this is one of my last opportunities before the postseason to prove to myself where I am right now.
0: You're right. This is a huge game. Uh, I, I think both teams are going to use it as a, a litmus test. But as far as your original question, who's got more to prove? Um, man. If I ask you right now, who do you have more faith in, the Cowboys or, or the Chiefs, which one would you say? I
1: can't believe I'm going to say this, but I have more faith in the Cowboys.
0: Exactly. So who, that, that, that tells you that the other team has more to prove. Yeah. Because regardless of the outcome, you're going to have more faith in the Dallas Cowboys because we've seen peak Dallas against a good team. Like, I saw peak Dallas against Brady in Brady's house opening night, Dak fresh off of a, a season-ending ankle. And Dak looked like the MVP of the league that night. So I've seen a little bit of peak Dallas. When's well, the last time we saw
1: peak Chiefs? I, but that's the point. For me, like, I would have more faith in the Cowboys right now, not because necessarily of the Cowboys, but more because of the Chiefs. More because of the fact that they haven't been anywhere near what we've expected them to be. and And not – not out of line expected them to be what they're supposed to be. So I always will look at a team like the chiefs that beats the daylights out of teams and see how they respond when they get punched. And this season they've gotten punched quite a few times and they have not responded all that well.
0: Speaking of punch, uh, you know, cause we've been heavy X and O yeah. um, so far you and I will not be on the air. At least I won't be on the air next Thursday. And, you know, mm. we all know what that day is. It's oh, yeah. Thanksgiving. It's a day we give thanks. It's a day that we're going to eat a lot. Um, and I'm, I'm just curious. Um, as we settle in to get ready to watch Cowboys and Chiefs, um, as you look forward to Thursday, are we a turkey guy or a ham guy? Booger, I'll tell you what I'm going to do.
1: I'm going to let that sit and marinate for a second because I have very complicated Thanksgiving takes that I will share here momentarily. Complicated? Uh, complicated. How complicated? How complicated can Thanksgiving meal be? You're going to find out. It can be very complicated. There have been several events in my life that have shaped my thoughts on this particular holiday and not necessarily in a good way. So we're going to take you a little bit inside my psyche when I answer that question. It's been straight talk. Brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. It is week 12 in college football. Saturday, ESPN Radio. We've got UCLA hosting USC at 4 p.m. Eastern time. This college football preview brought to you by Cross Country Mortgage. From home buying to refinancing, Cross Country Mortgage is dedicated to getting it done. Visit them at ccm.com. Turkey, ham, hot takes. Next. Matt Stafford starting to feel a little bit different now that Odell Beckham is in town, we'll discuss in moments. Chris Carlin, Booger McFarlane on ESPN Radio and ESPN app in for Greeny today, presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests appear via the Goodyear hotline. But prior to the break, Booger asked me if I was a turkey guy or a ham guy I did. when it comes to Thanksgiving. The answer is Neither. <laughs> Neither
0: I, Now that's a joke, seriously No, it's not It is a joke
1: It's It's not Here's the problem Number one, I've never cared for ham I just, I don't know what it is I'm not a, I don't love he- heavily salted meat I like heavily salted chips Meat, I don't know why You're not a fan of the pig? Oh, I love bacon Absolutely, I love ribs I just, ham doesn't do it for me at all Number two when it comes to turkey, I will be the first to admit that this take is 100% born out of the fact that my mother, who is just the loveliest woman there is, was a complete hack when it came to Thanksgiving and specifically the turkey. Wow! I How did about not.
0: Mom under the bus.
1: I, I did not know until I was 25 that turkey was not supposed to be bone dry. She just had. <laughs> No concept what she was doing with a bird at Thanksgiving. And listen, stuffing, she's on top of it. A game. I'm right there. So if you ask me what I'm doing at Thanksgiving, my ideal Thanksgiving is all sides.
0: Well, um, let me be the first to apologize. I'm sorry, man, because uh, you have been deprived of one of the greatest meals um, in the calendar year. Mm. You know, some people think it's Memorial Day when the barbecue is flowing and it's ribs and it's sauce and it's baked beans. Some people think it's Easter Sunday when 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 the meals when you have four or five meats, you got the baked chicken, you got all kind of other things. You got greens and all. And then some people think it's summertime when it's time for a good old fish fry and you got about 20 pounds of filet catfish, some hot vegetable oil, little cornmeal, um, maybe some. Um, handmade ice cream. If you've never had no, any, I've of that. never had handmade ice cream. No. Yes, the handmade, where you actually have to sit there with the little turn thing and turn and turn and turn as the as the all the ingredients spin and mix in the ice cream. Mm-hmm. But Chris Carlin, let me tell you this: there is no meal like Thanksgiving, and the reason it is because you get a plethora of meats. So at my house, you didn't just get ham; you got a fried turkey and you got baked chicken. And then when it came to the sides, we didn't do the typical side that most people in America are going to have, which is a green bean casserole, which may be the worst invention ever. Mm. Any type of casserole is terrible. Don't at me. I agree with um, you. But you got mac and cheese. You got um, not stuffing because stuffing is something that I didn't grow up in my culture. We got dressing, cornbread dressing. Okay, totally different. Okay, um, you get the candied yams. You get the greens. You get the cornbread. Um, you know, you're going to get, you know, my wife now, she'll do some um, some smoked turkey next. My father-in-law, he likes chitlins. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't eat them, and therefore I tell him he's got to cook those outside because if you've never <laughs> had a hog had a chitlin, they smell. Mm-hmm. So I don't allow him to cook those in my house. But well, my point being, as you can see, I'm still rambling on about the items on the meal because the meal is long, Chris Carlin. It's one of the greatest meals in the calendar year. And I am a ham guy, and I've grown to – fried turkey has piqued my interest. Um, I eat baked chicken any day of the week. But Thanksgiving is the only time that I do eat ham. And I like the honey-baked ham. It's not even one that we make here at home. It's store-bought. It's honey-baked. They do a phenomenal job with it. So if you're out there and you work for Honey-Baked Ham, shout-out to you because you make my year at Thanksgiving. (laughs) Okay, now on the turkey,
1: I, I even when I have had a juicy bird, I have been so trained to not enjoy turkey at all that it can't bring me back. Now, the one thing I'm curious as to whether or not it could is the fried turkey, which I've never had, and I'm aware of two things about fried turkey. A, I'm told it's delicious, but B, if you don't do it right, you can blow up the entire neighborhood.
0: Well, because most people think, that, here's the first thing you can't do. You can't take the turkey out of the freezer frozen and drop it in the grease. Right. That's what a novice does, and that's when the neighborhood gets blown up. That's, that's amateur hour, right? There. Yeah, that's amateur hour, which would probably be used, so do not do that. No, I, even
1: I know not to do that. I'm kind of skilled in the kitchen.
0: Let me get your get your fried chicken rankings. What's your number one fried? Like If you had to go pick up some fried chicken, are you Popeye's? Are you KFC? Are you churches? How would you rank those as far as, because they're all delicious, but how would you rank them? I
1: would rank it Popeye's one. I've never had churches. Um, I would rank it Popeye's one, KFC two, and therefore churches three was
0: certainly the ability to change that if need be. Great. So here's what I'll tell you. If you like Popeye's chicken, then Mm. you will love a Cajun fried turkey because you get everything from a nutritious and a nutritional factor of eating turkey, but you get it with just a little flavor of Popeye's. And Chris Carlin, when I tell you that, that there's something about it, because I don't eat turkey every day, but when you get a fried, especially a fried turkey wing, I don't know about you, but if you gave me the ability to choose which parts of the chicken and the turkey I want to eat, I'm always going for the wing. Mm-hmm. When I was a rookie, we used to make the, uh, the veterans used to make us go and get fried chicken for the plane. And they used to tell us, hey, bring as many wings as they got. And I thought they were joking. And one week I showed up with like 20 wings. They was like they didn't have any more. So we used to traditionally get 100 fried chicken, fried chicken uh, wings from Popeyes and bring them to the plane. And so I am a wing guy, crispy from Popeyes, or a fried turkey wing guy from anywhere.
1: I, I listen. I'm open to new things. I'm not closed minded It's just up until this point in my life, I have yet to run across the turkey that has been able to change my mind, because I'll be honest, in my mind, turkey has always sucked. It has always sucked, and I have not been able to get past that. And yes, my mother has done many wonderful things for me. Cooking is not one of them.
0: It's just not. not. Turkey has always sucked, kind of like the Jets, huh? Is is, is that what I'm hearing? Yes. Yes. uh, uh,
1: Yes. Turkey is the Jets of (laughs) meals. (laughs) That's exactly how I would put it. Oh. Chris, wait, were you at the first Thanksgiving, or were you just a, a few oh, years see, later? See, you know, <laughs> and, and it's only because I got, a, I got some salt and pepper in my beard that I'm getting more of this now. Some uh, salt dis- and
0: pepper? I, listen, Chris, hey, full disclosure, full disclosure, because mm-hmm. you and I are working together. I'm in Tampa. Uh, you're in, in New York. I saw a picture of you the other day, and that's the first time I ever saw you. Um, <laughs> Cat quick, I would never use. Right, a little, a little salt and pepper. There's, a, there's a little bit more than a little. There's a lot. Um, and if yeah. I, if I, like, if I, if I had to choose a position for you in football, I would lean fullback, backside guard. Yeah, no, and I played in
1: PAL. That it was, it was guard, tackle, center. Yeah. I, I was always the kid that was too big. Like they had the weight limit on who could carry the football. Yeah. You know, it was like I remember in, in particular year it was one thirty five. I was nowhere near that. Like you were never pulling, right? Like you were never the pulling stuff. Oh no no I no no. Oh no, I could pull as a guard oh. because again, cat like to get to yeah. the outside.
0: The only thing you could pull is your britches up. There's nothing else you're pulling, okay? <laughs> or <stop>. a hamstring. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I could get to the outside. You didn't want to see me coming. You didn't want to see me coming. <laughs> oh. Because oh. the train is coming through, and you better get off the tracks. Greeny, the podcast. Matthew Stafford doesn't look himself right now. Chris Carlin, Booger McFarlane for Grinny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. If you're dealing with a dead battery, head over to AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. They offer free battery services like free battery testing, free battery charging, and their free battery testing can help you know if you need a new battery or not. Or... If you're in need of a fresh charge, and if you do happen to need a replacement battery, they can help with that too. They've got reliable replacement batteries starting at just 79.99, and they're the only place you can find a proven, tough, duralast battery. So next time you're having battery trouble, head to autozone your battery solution in America's number one battery destination. You know, Booger, I I sat here last week, and I know you're going to find this shocking that I feel like an idiot today. Uh, After two straight subpar games now, um, I had said last week I still expected Matthew Stafford to be the MVP of the NFL, and clearly it's going to be difficult to climb back from that now after two games where he just has not played particularly well. Troy Aikman this week, made the comment that he felt like Matthew Stafford was starting to feel some of the pressure of having Odell Beckham on his team, similar to what Baker Mayfield did. And uh, listen, Troy Aikman's going to know better than me, but boy, right out of the gate, that would feel, uh, that feels like it's a pretty strong comment to make off of one game the other night,
0: no? Uh, Yeah, extremely strong. I mean, especially Odell only played 12 plays, so how can you... How can you say that off of 12 plays? The first play was a design play uh, by Sean McVay to get the ball to Odell. The next play was kind of a broken play where Stafford just threw it up and it was a pick. But he only played 12 plays out of, I don't know, 65, 70? Um, I love Troy. Troy is one of my best friends, Mm. Um, you know, as far as friends in the industry. But I'm I'm just a little curious of the fact that how he could make that or surmise that after basically what amounts to – Two drives. Well, one thing I think we can agree on is that he does not look right.
1: Something, something is off with Matthew Stafford right now. To me, and this is pure speculation, and I'm not saying by any stretch that he is hurt, but he looks like something may not be physically... Uh, he may not be physically 100% right now with some of the throws that he's uh, making. And maybe... It's unfair to say that, but when
0: you watch him right now, what does it look like to you? Well, um, to me, it looks like a team that's built to run the football that they haven't quite committed to the run. They're committing to the drop back passing game and our offensive line is not playing well. Therefore, the quarterback, his clock is sped up in his head. And so, you know, Stafford isn't playing uh, at peak level Stafford that we saw earlier in the season. But I think he has to work through these things because, Chris, I've told a lot of people this. We came into this season this season, with one question. Was Matthew Stafford a great player trapped in a bad situation in, in Detroit? Or was Matthew Stafford a good player that couldn't elevate the situation in Detroit and now he's going to get exposed when people think he's a great player? I I would lean to say that Matthew Stafford is one of the better Like, he's a top 15 quarterback. What say you? Higher than that.
1: I think he's higher than that. And when when I watched him in Detroit, the excuses were easy, right? They were never a good team. It was never his fault. But I look at him now, and what I saw for the first eight, nine weeks of the season compared to what I've seen for the last two weeks, that's what leads me to believe that something's not right because he had been – at a sustained level of excellence for those first eight, nine weeks of the year, considering everything he had around him. Now, they've lost Robert Woods. That obviously doesn't hurt because he had a very good rapport with him. He's a big part of that offense. Um, We all worried at the beginning of the year when they lost Cam Akers. That really hasn't been as big of a factor as maybe we would have expected. I I think he's more of a top 10 quarterback, and you're going to see the best of him in this circumstance. I just can't... Put my finger on what's wrong right now. And so my instant reaction is always to go to, well, something doesn't feel right with him. Maybe something's wrong with him physically. And he was dealing with uh, something with his hand last week, if I'm not mistaken.
0: How about he just playing? He he played bad. I mean, let's not always have to make excuses for the quarterback just because he didn't play well. Uh, I mean, Tom Brady threw two interceptions. I don't hear anyone saying, man, what's wrong with Tom? As a matter of fact, he's thrown two interceptions two games in a row. Now, they had a bye week in between, but he's got four interceptions in the last two games. Are we making excuses for Tom? So why all of a sudden does something have to be wrong with Matthew Stafford? To
1: me, that's just because of where he is and who he's playing with. That, the Beckham thing I can't put in, I, I just I can't get around that yet. I can't wrap my arms around Beckham being a problem already being there and demanding the ball, especially as you pointed out when he played as as little as he uh, did the other day. Um, I'm sure that Beckham had a lot of responsibility in what went wrong in Cleveland, as he absolutely did in New York, but you listen to Baker Mayfield, he played a role there too. Now, that brings us to the Browns this week. Now, the Browns have the Lions, Booger, and... I watch Baker Mayfield, and I kind of think, what's, what's the point right now? He's not going to get better before the end of the year. I don't know how much resting him right now is going to help. But in your estimation, does it make sense to rest him against a bad football team like the Lions, even though they've been as close as they have to winning so many times, when maybe, just maybe, you could pre- at least prevent it from
0: getting worse this week? Well, uh, from what I understand, he's got a partially torn labrum yep. in his non-throwing shoulder. Um, it's not. I guess it. I don't. I guess it could get worse. It become. It could become a full tear. I don't know. Um, he's suffering from a knee injury also. I would think that it, if this is if this is your guy, and this is uh, Brady, this is Mahomes, this is uh, Deshaun Watson when he was playing, then you would rest him and let him get fully healthy. I don't know if you're going to do that because let's just say Baker goes out and gets hurt even more. You kind of got the same guy with Case Keenum, or at least that's what some feel in the organization. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the reason why they're willing to put Baker out there, even if he's less than 100%.
1: Well, here's Baker from yesterday, which kind of led me to believe after I heard it that maybe he should not be playing this week. This is
0: probably the most beat up I've ever been in my career. Um, And it's not like it's one particular thing. It's multiple. It's just that time of the year, and, and things add up, and just uh, you know, a couple things after another. So it is what it is. is Jarvis
1: one of the guys you've spoken to, and I, I
0: guess what are those conversations like?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean,
0: there's there's a lot that we could go left unsaid, but these are the you know these are the times where. Um, counting on Jarvis to, to be the leader he is. We're counting on all of our leaders to step up and, and do those things. That's, that's what you bring these guys in here for. Um, and so that's, that's a part of that accountability that we talk about is holding that standard and, and living up to it every day.
1: The last part of it uh, I'm a little bit thrown off by, but it doesn't sound like a guy, when he says how beat up he is, a, a guy that's terribly anxious to get right back out there.
0: Yeah, he may not be terribly anxious to get out there, but I also think, uh, you know, he's taking a lot of heat. You know, Baker has been under a lot of scrutiny in Cleveland. Everyone and their mother trying to decipher whether or not he is a franchise quarterback. Um, and I, I think I hear a little bit of that in his voice also. Just like, man, I, I, I continue to hear it all even when I'm hurt. Like, even if I go out and play hurt, I'm going to be judged as if I'm healthy, so I can't really win for losing in this battle. Um, but guess what I would say? That's what happens when you're the quarterback. Yep, and, and that's making, why they pay you. <laughs> and you're making 25 to $42 million depending on who you are. That's what happens. And, you know, Baker wants a new contract. Baker wants to be paid. To me, that's the bigger question. If you're Baker, you want as many opportunities as you can to audition, to continue to stack and add zeros to your paycheck. Because if I told you right now, let's just say this. Let's say the, the Browns have made a decision. We're going to keep Baker Mayfield. As long as the number is comfortable, Chris Carlin, you're the GM. What is a number as far as average annual per year that you're willing to pay Baker, realizing that the top quarterbacks in the game are making 42 to 43 million. What are you willing to pay Baker where you can sleep nice and comfortable at night and wouldn't worry about him not being Mahomes or not being uh, Josh Allen?
1: At that 25 to 28 million dollar range. I think, I think that's where Baker belongs right now. It's Greeny uh, coming to you live from the Seaport District of Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. Chris Carlin, Booger McFarlane for Greeny. All guests join us on the Goodyear hotline, making the plays that move you forward. Goodyear, more driven. Where would you put that number? Do you think that Baker
0: Mayfield is above that? Do you put him in the 30s? I would probably cap mine at 30. Yeah. Um, I think that's as far as I would go. Um, and I think if you if you're a realist and you ask Baker, um, would thirty million a year suffice? Uh, he'd probably say yes. You supplement that with all the progressive commercials and everything else he's doing. He's probably he'd probably be at forty. Um, I also think that his agent is going to not do a disservice by his client because his agent is probably going to ask for the Josh Allen deal. And there is where the crux becomes an issue. Well, then there's, there's no discussion to be had.
1: Because if Baker Mayfield is not Josh Allen. He's nowhere close to Josh okay, Allen. So who,
0: okay, so okay, so who's your quarterback next year?
1: I'll figure that out. You know? I, I, <laughs> oh. I, unfortunately, I'm going to have to figure that out. First of all, it's year four, Correct. Is or is he playing on the fifth year option right no, now? No,
0: this is four, and I, and I think they. I'm not. I can't remember. I don't. I don't know if they picked this option up. I don't have it at the top of my mind right now. But I, but I, I did, this is definitely they picked year, up next year year's four. option. Correct? No, no, they did. Absolutely. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So he's he's got
1: to get through next year first. So I can I can do that. But if he's, I, I can't pay him anywhere near that. And if you're Baker at this point, off of a year like this. Wouldn't you almost want to bet on yourself again before settling for a lower number if you think you are Josh Allen money worthy to go play next year on the fifth-year option and see what happens?
0: Yeah, but I got to think if there are questions about Baker this year, if you're Cleveland – do you need one more year to see Baker? Like, you've seen him for four. Mm-hmm. What's one more going to do? So so I think the rubber meets the road this offseason. You don't need to see another year to confirm or deny what you already know. Like, I think they have a really good idea of what and who Baker is, and I think they're going to decide, do we give him a little three-year deal? I'll or t- do we just move on in general? I have often said this. People t- people kept talking about Miami and Carolina, Philadelphia. What if I told you legal trouble uh, withstanding Deshaun Watson in Cleveland? Where would you put them in the hierarchy of the AFC?
1: Right near the top. That's my point. It completely changes the dynamic, 100%. And Baker's going to earn 18 point, almost 18.9 next year. And then there's the, all right, there's the Kirk Cousins route. But to me, like if you're the Browns and you. As you just talked about, not feeling like you have the answer in Baker Mayfield, why would you franchise him? Why, I think you just move forward without him uh, after next year and you start plotting now as to what your future could look like. The other thing that doesn't help is it's not like this year's draft is uh, chock full of quarterbacks at the high level, it feels like.
0: No, it's not. I, yeah. I think Malik Willis at Liberty is a guy who is starting to uh, – um wow a few people you got the kids strong at nevada you got matt corral at um at Ole miss you got Kedon slovis at usc i'm trying to think off the top of my head other quarterbacks um th- th- those are kind of your top three or four you know the best quarterback in college football can't get drafted for for another year and that's bryce young at alabama mm-hmm. like when bryce young comes out after next season um he will wow you and it won't be because of his physical traits. Because he's fast enough, he's big enough, et cetera. Well, uh, He has got uncanny poise, Chris Carlin, and, and uncanny ability to not panic and throw the football accurately. He will be the first quarterback taken after, in the 2023 draft.
1: It's interesting you bring that up,
0: Booger, because it allows
1: us to transition into some college football for a minute. I've been a Heisman voter for about the last 10, 12 years. This is the first year where in... The middle to late November, I have no idea who I'm going to vote for right now. Bryce Young is probably the favorite at the moment. In fact, he why, is though? the favorite. Well, okay, but
0: why? Why because do I not me, know who because, to vote
1: for? Why? Well, no,
0: because Bryce Young hasn't really done anything where you say there's his Heisman moment or there's where he's exactly. I'm, to I'm saying the
1: betting favorite. I'm not saying the favorite with with true. Um, moments to back it up. I'm saying he's the betting favorite at the moment because I think people look across the board and nobody has really stepped up. This is why I don't know what I'm doing with my vote right now.
0: Well, hopefully you find someone who's worthy and not just go with the flow and turn on uh, Caesar's William Hill and look at the eyes. Oh, no, no, no. no, I'm I'm just just checking. No, listen,
1: I pay attention when there are strong candidates on the West Coast. I will absolutely make sure I'm staying up to watch them. I take it very seriously. And a few weeks ago, I would say probably two and a half weeks ago, I would have voted for Kenneth Walker from Michigan State because he looked as much like a dominant, dominant player as he can look. And then his last couple games, not as great. Um, Corral, I have not watched play enough yet. I need to see him play some more. But who else? I mean, we're talking about, can he pick it at Pittsburgh? He threw for five hundred yards the other night against Carolina. What are we, you know, what are we looking at here?
0: By if, the way, I'm 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 really concerned. Why is that? Well, because how in the hell did you get a Heisman vote and I don't have one?
1: Well, that's just wrong. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I actually finished fifth in the Heisman voting back in 1971.
0: But <laughs> you that, can't maybe even that's say why that with a straight face, you can't, you can't even <laughs> say that. And actually mean it.
1: I have had a Heisman vote because I do the games uh, for Rutgers. And so I have been around college football for about 20 years now. And so that's how it kind of – I got nominated by somebody in the state of New Jersey, whoever's in, in charge of that. And hence, here I am with a Heisman vote.
0: But it, Interesting. You learn something new every day. You talk about a humbling feeling. I sense wow.
1: annoyance in your voice right now.
0: Very much so.
1: Yeah. Justifiable, I would say considering that your knowledge of college football is incredibly larger than mine. Well. Yeah, yeah. it is. I'm not going to admit that. I'm not not afraid to admit that, I should say. But if you had a vote right now, who are you voting for?
0: I, like you, have zero idea. Um, Kenneth Walker had kind of a Heisman moment when he had against Nebraska, but the game wasn't big enough. I think the reason the Heisman is still up for grabs is because the biggest games are coming up. Ohio State and C.J. Shroud. Uh, they're going to take on Michigan. They're going to in the game. Uh, Bryce Young is probably going to get his chance against that great defense at Georgia. You beat Georgia. Wow! There's your Heisman moment. Yeah. Um, Kenneth Walker, Michigan State. You- you're going to get an opportunity uh, on a big stage again to make some plays the way you did against Penn State. So, yeah, I, I still think that there is some uh, there are some games out there where typically we would have seen. The bigger games by now, we haven't seen those just yet.
1: This is going to go right down to the wire. Join host Gotham Chopra as he explores what Tom Brady has meant to football and the world in Man in the Arena, a new podcast from ESPN Plus and Religion of Sports. A companion piece to Gotham's ESPN Plus docuseries, this 10-part podcast examines the improbable ripple effects of Brady's career, things that have forced us to rethink everything – We thought we knew about time, hatred, perfection, even fate. The podcast is brought to you by State Farm, ZipRecruiter, and Rocket Mortgage. Listen and follow Man in the Arena now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and stream the docuseries ESPN+. I am fascinated to watch the Heisman race play out, just as I am fascinated to watch the college football uh, playoff race come down to the wire here, too, because I don't think we're quite there uh, as far as who our b- top four are going to be. I think it's going to get mixed up even more. Always good, Booger.
0: Always good. Always enjoy, buddy. Be safe. Absolute. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Eat some you turkey. too. Chris and Booger in for Greeny on ESPN Radio